Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's Didier Drogba. And now Kidd in the middle. Drogba goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Stretch it. Chelsea 2. And Didier Drogba has it. Drogba in the centre. Nicole just came to the ground and just pulled out. Possibly bleak as this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Chessie Hour brought to you by Touchline Media Group. I am joined by two very special guests. Um, Shemi, how are you doing? We're getting good at this whole thing, you know. But I'm good. Okay, okay. I, I see how you're feeling. I see how you're feeling. How are you doing, bro? <laughs> Yeah, good man. Obviously, apart from the Chelsea loss, but ready to unpack it. Mm, I hear it, my, my, my fellow um, Co- Cobham Knight. But yeah, man, it's gonna be tonight's show's gonna be hosted by me. So you know, we've got the three young guns, and you know, we, we got the older lot out, out of the show. You know, so you know, well, it's a bit of a chessy hour takeover. So yeah, let's let's get right into it. So guys, why are Chelsea so good up to the attack? Well, guys, like I feel like we, we've come to the point whereby I feel like we've all expected it. You know, we've all really expected, we were all saying it in the lead up to it, but Romelu Lukaku is going to struggle to score without chances. Guys, where do you guys see the problem? Do do you think it's Rom himself or do you think it's our actual, like, ability to provide for him? I'm going to start with you, Shemi. Um, Yeah, so I think it's definitely um, our ability to provide for him. Um, I think as a team... Um, although we are structurally very good in terms of um, the defensive side of the game, um, when we have the ball, um, yeah, we might keep the ball a lot. We might control games to an extent, but it's a real issue for our players to kind of get their head up and pick that pass or take risks, I think is probably the right word. So um, our, our players, Georgino Kovacic, um, who, are our, who is probably the go-to pivot, who play probably most of the time along with Kante and whatnot. 
um, and the wingbacks too, actually, they they kind of they're liable for this too because they get the ball in some pretty good positions. Um, majority of the time, they're quite safe with the ball, so they'll they'll pop it along to each other. You touch, I touch ball. Um, it's all quite safe. And then, if you just watch um, Rom, um, whilst they have the ball, he's making a lot of runs. He's he's moving. Do you know what I mean? And um, these lot, they either don't get their head up or they're just not willing to play the risky ball in fear of losing the in fear of losing possession. Um, and yeah, it just and what that leads to is just us recycling the ball from side to side um, with no real penetration, um, and it becomes very predictable. So what you get is teams like Juve who just come and play us our own game, whereby they'll come and be organised, and then they will just wait for that for that wait for that time where we either give them the ball by mistake, which has been happening quite a lot this season, or they just or they just transition off of a, off of a chance or something like that. Um, and then um, eventually we get punished, which is what's been happening of late, well, over the past two games, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, especially last night. So, yeah, that, that, that is really, that is Chelsea to, to a T right now, um, especially the last two games. And I think, um, yeah, they're all guilty, I think. So the two wing-backs, when they get the ball, um, they, they, there's, there's times where they can play like a little um, slide diagonal into Lukaku's channel, but they don't want to do it. Um, same way Jorginho Kovacic. I think Jorginho tries, um, he he has in the past um, looked to play lofted balls, but he doesn't really do it that much no more. But um, Kovacic especially doesn't do it um, often enough anyway. He done it for um, one of Lukaku's goals against Aston Villa, but he certainly doesn't do it often enough. And then, yeah, that's what happens. And we just become very predictable. And then, yeah, uh, there's no one. And also, sorry, just one, one more point um, before you move on or before you ask Simpson, is that um, no one's really willing to commit a man as well. So if you're not gonna play, if you're not gonna play the pass yet, at least try and commit a man. So what you see with like Ruben off the sheet, for example, um, why he why he why he always adds something different from the bench here over the past three or four games is that although you might not associate with him, you might not associate Ruben as a type of player to play that um that decisive through ball, be it over the top or along the ground. But what he is good at is that he would get the ball and commit a man because he's very good at um ball carrying and dribbling so when he gets the ball and drives he commits a man goes past him maybe or he protects the ball because he's so good because he's so big and strong that commits a man that opens space and then from there we can move and um create a chance but what happens with like Kovacic and Jorginho is that neither of them are really even though Kovacic is a fantastic um dribbler um he doesn't really like none of them really commit commit men um especially when you have Alonso play Alonso and Aspi playing they're not guys that are going to get the ball and run down, run down um, the wing back position, and commit a defender. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, that just leads to everything just being very predictable and and crap. So, yeah. interesting. So, you you mentioned them um, in, in terms of the fact that nobody seems to be willing to make that pass into Roman. I feel like we, we saw it a bit earlier on this season. You know where we actually had them. Um, you know, Curva being a lot more happy to make the passes. You know, we we also saw it again. I think we saw it once um, in in that um, game yesterday from Jorginho, but. What do you think has led to them being so like risk averse? Like, why why are they so unwilling to make that pass? Do you, do you think it's like a tactical thing, or do you think it's just like maybe that 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 sort of pass was like a bit of a purple patch in their game? Um, I don't know. You, you raise a good point because I remember Kovacic playing some really good progressive passes earlier in the season. So against Arsenal, Crystal Palace, where he we especially the Arsenal game when he he'd visit to Lukaku's feet quite a bit. Um, but to answer your question, I, I don't know. I don't. I think. I thought it was something that 
Crawford was adding to his game this season. But when you look at um, them two as a whole, I feel like this has kind of been them over their time at Chelsea. I don't feel like they've ever kind of shown that they're willing to do that, if that makes sense. I feel like this is kind of them. Um, I think Jorginho is very progressive um, in terms of like first thirds to second third. But when it comes to second third to final thirds, not so much. So... Mm. To be honest, and, and, and even and even there, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but I don't want this to like come as if we're like we're, 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 we're criticizing Virginia because no, 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 no. the final yeah. third that's not really his job, but yeah, it's not his job, yeah, yeah. But you know, like in terms of like setting the play, you know, setting the tempo, that is what you look to him to do. And I feel like when, when you have games like yesterday where they do where him and Kovic are doing like you know, look those little one twos between themselves mm. where you just allow the team to set back, and, yeah, it gets very, and, very pedantic. And sorry, just quickly, one more thing, yeah. And one and what I'd say about this this system as well is that the pivot is there to control. It's to, to control games in terms of possession, and to be and to be a protection in front of um the three defenders when the wingbacks go forward. So when Tuchel first came in, the reason why the system was working really well was because Kovac and Jorginho were there controlling. Right, they weren't necessarily being like this progressive because that were asking them to be in terms of playing balls into final third. But what you had was you had wingbacks. So Cho was playing wingback. Um, who was flying forward as a winger, and you had Ben Chilwell, who's a lot more um, forward-thinking as well. So, because you had wingers that were very adventurous, so wingbacks that were adventurous, that was creating space, that was penning teams back into their final third. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you've got Azpi and Alonso, they're not those type of they're not those type of wingbacks to to pen teams back. So then, so then it allows teams to sit in their shape, and then we struggle to break down teams. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you're going to have those two, if you're going to have midfielders there that aren't as kind of progressive, but are more there to kind of control whatever, like Georgina Kovacic, then your wing-backs have got to do the job of penning teams back so that it creates space. But like I said yesterday, the personnel, Alonso, Aspi, then they're not going to do that. So that's when you get games like you did yesterday. Yeah, you, you did raise a good point there in terms of the, the wing-backs. I'm going to come over to you, Timson. Um, so, like, how how key do you think the wing backs are to our system? Because obviously, it, it, they're a massive like addition in terms of, like to our attack. And how do you think you know what we're getting the most? Are, are they providing enough width going forward, or what, what what's what's been your take on our wing backs this season, Timson? Uh, for me, obviously on the right hand side, there was a reason why Tuchel was looking at bringing in a right wing back in Hakimi. Uh, Reese has done a good job to kind of do what. Tuchel wants to do tactically in the Arsenal game he got forward he spread the play he was that free option and he helped us pin Arsenal back um Alonso obviously despite the last couple of games he's um been okay he's gotten forward but um he doesn't have that progressive ball carrying ability that Ben Chilwell has and um kind of when he's when when we're kind of penning teams in he doesn't offer much else um he might get he might try and get himself in the box if the ball's on the opposite side. But um yeah, it's not the same when Alonso's there. Uh what I will say the issue is with um in terms of getting to our front three is um I take it to what Tuchel said after the Arsenal game. He when Lukaku arrived, he just kind of dropped him into that starting eleven against Arsenal and didn't give him much um tactical instructions. He just kind of let him do um, what he wanted to do just to, as, as an initial starter. And it doesn't look like it's particularly changed that um, since that game. Obviously, the goals have come. Uh, so at the same time, you, you might think, why not fix it? 
uh, why fix why fix something that's not broken? But um, the inconsistency in the two in the two tens behind him, or even when we switched to a three five two, um, has left like a lack of cohesion, um, and I think we're paying the price. Um, and then one kind of final instance. This is one for the people who don't like Mount, who when they say we miss Mount, they get upset about it or they um, look at his creativity stats. Mason Mount does a job, um, obviously for those that know football, Mason, midfield is kind of, if you, can, if you can control the midfield, you have a very good chance of winning the game. Tuchel, since he's arrived and switched, switched us to a back three, has been playing two midfielders, so a double pivot against um, most teams that play with a three-man midfield. For the majority of the time that's been successful, Mason Mount has been that 10, that inside forward, because he is essentially a cheat code in the sense that he can read the game and he knows when to drop in and help out the midfield so they don't get outnumbered because it is 3v2. And he also knows when the flow of the game's going Chelsea's way and he can be um, an outright forward. And that balance is something that no one else in the squad can provide. Kai didn't do it yesterday. Kai was obviously poor against um, Juve. ZX definitely can't do it, um, even though he can play as, a, as, as an eight if required. Callum can't do it. Um, it's just Mason Mount's reading of the game and his ability to seamlessly slot in between the two roles has now um, helped cover the, cover the crack, paper over the cracks um, in the in in the system and that's led to the midfield being overwhelmed um with the extra man in midfield evidently aston villa and um the, because the midfield's overwhelmed us the system kind of starts to fall apart and the quality of chances that come to lukaku aren't aren't of um aren't of let's say expected goals of 0.3 so i think those are some underlying issues that have been present since the start of the season Mm. Do, do, do you think so? What, what you talk about, um, you know, Mount's importance in terms of like you know being involved in the midfield there, and uh, obviously I, I won't disagree. I do think he he does the job, but do, do you think it is a job? Because I know you said it's something that he did, but what we I think we have seen, you know, Kai, you know, do it a couple of times. You know, against Arsenal, for instance, you know, him and Mount were interchanging. Also against Liverpool, I, I think as you said, it is a a, a a position that Mount does primarily, you know, best for the team, but. Do you think it's something that Tuchel can maybe adapt to, you know, within games? Like, do, you, do you think he can like change the system? And if he was to, how would you, if you were, if it were up to you, how would you change the system to like adapt for that? Yeah, um, like I've never obviously this was Kai's opportunity to do it, show that we um, show show what he can do in terms of doing that role and supporting the midfield because I think he's a very intelligent player. But um, Kai has his own issues in terms of finding his role because he was looking very at home as a false nine. Obviously, before we signed we signed him, he looked very comfortable as an outright spearhead centre forward. But now Lukaku's coming and he's now he's he's back to square one in the sense that now I need to find my role. Um, and I'm not sure it's within a four three three. Sorry, a three four three um, with Mason Mount. The job, um, the job that he does in terms of reading the game and transitioning it is one of the reasons why Southgate loves him so much. 
um, and plays him as a 10 because he knows when to support. And even though, like you, I also believe that um, Kai has the intelligence, it's not done to the same level. It's not done uh, as, as consistently and with the same level of energy that Mason Mount brings to that system. In terms of rectifying it, um, I've got concerns if it whether or as to whether or not it can be rectified. Um, we look at the system, and it came in, and obviously Lampard gets criticism, but this was a team where uh, Rudiger looked like he was on his way out. Christensen also, Alonso was all but a forgotten man. Um, these are guys who are now integral to the squad because the system uh, complements them, and. Uh, obviously, Mason Mount being able to do that job and supporting the double pivot by dropping in as and when the game requires, um, it's helped paper over the cracks. And now um, those cracks are still starting to are starting to show again with his absence. And now teams are patterning onto that. And even when he comes back, it will help. I'm not sure that completely um, mitigates all the kind of issues that we've found since the start of the season. Fair enough. Um, Shemi, so, you know, we, we've just heard Tim's point. Do you think Timson's been a bit too reactionary, you know, based off of our two losses? Or do you think these are definitely issues that have been, like, prevalent within the team since Tuchel's come in? Um, hmm, that's, that's a difficult one. I think, I think teams, I think when Tuchel came in, teams didn't really know how to kind of, um, how to kind of, um, exploit the weaknesses in, in the system. So I guess you could say they were always there, but it with like like with every good team, kind of it always takes a while before teams start clocking on and stuff like that. Um, so no, nah, I don't think he's being reactionary to be honest. Um, at the same time, um, at the same time, I do feel like um, the problems we've had are, are are like really recent. So like I feel like over the past like maybe two, since the Villa game, I'd say. I'd say they've been they've been there, but I feel like before that I wasn't I wasn't seeing many like weaknesses. You know what I mean? I was I was pretty confident. It was kind of like a roll on from the end of last season. But yeah, no. To answer your question, I don't think he's been too. I don't think he's been reactionary. I think I think they were there. All it takes is just time for like teams, you know, to kind of clock on and just do their homework, and then eventually um, every system gets found out. Found out to be honest. Mm, um, so then when that happens, it's just up to the manager to kind of um, to counteract it and find a solution. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I would I would agree with Timson partially. I do, I do think, you know, the system does benefit the players, but I just I also do think a lot of these players are, are just good players in general. I, I I would be interested to see how um they'd adapt in different formations under Tuchel. And I, I and I'll be interested to see how Tuchel adapts going forward. Like are, are we gonna see any drastic changes or is he gonna stick to his guns? Because let's say he does change information and it works. You know, a lot of people say, okay, you know, that's too that's too cool being proactive. You know, he's done a good job. But if he changes it and it doesn't work, you kind of fall victim of being called reactive in the fact that you know mm. you've seen it not work. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So it will be interesting to see. I'm going to pose the question as well to you guys and listeners. You know, let us know, use the hashtag. Do you guys think you know that we've been found out, or do you think it's just a just a stumbling block? Because I do think I do think a part of it is a stumbling block, but I do also think it is like a long like effect of, yeah. like a, of something that hasn't been remedied in the fact that we're not very good when it comes to like that chance creation stuff. So when yeah. it comes to unlocking teams in the, in the low block, we will struggle. You know, we saw it last season against them, Southampton, against Brighton, Brighton against Arsenal, against Villa at the end of the season, against Leicester in the FA Cup. Like, it's not just something that's new. It's been a pattern of play. It's been something we've been saying in the podcast for quite a while that, you know, we, we do struggle. And 
yeah, they, they, I do think there are internal remedies, but I do also think, you know, adding on another um, creator to the team, you know, to, to kind of supplement the attack, I think that would be helpful. But I think we will see because we've been linked to players like ASM, you know, during during um during the not during the winter, but like in and around the winter. So it does seem as though it does seem sorry, it does seem as though Tuchel is potentially looking to add like somebody in to remedy that. So um yeah, um going on to that, yeah, just just quickly, yeah. Can I just on? say one more thing? I don't think to answer your question, I I don't think um I don't think we'll see drastic changes with Tuchel. I can't lie. I think he seems quite stubborn. Not not like in the I don't know whether it's in a bad way or a good way or not. Yeah, I've been tell. saying that, man. I, but, I think it, I think he's stubborn. Yeah, I think once he once he has something in his head, I think he sticks to it, and I think we've seen it a couple of times. Like not favoring Tammy, not trying to play um, Hudson in attack, um, and even like even times where we've kind of been down. It's not been many times to be fair that we've been losing on a two call. To be fair, but um, yeah, I, I I don't I can't remember times where he's he's kind of thought about changing like the system or tinkled with it during game. Do you know what I mean? In terms of going back to a four or something like that. So yeah, I don't think there'll be drastic changes. I think the most we'll see is like personnel changes, to be honest. Interesting. And if it was up to you, what kind of personnel changes would you see? Because you know, leading on from that Romelu Lukaku change, um, question. Sorry, is there internal remedy to you know sorting out these problems in the attack? Is, is there something we can do? Internally, yeah, internally, like so, like like an internal like like a player you can play, you know, a tweak yeah. to the system, like a tweak to yeah. what you want to play. Yeah, I think personally, I think it gets low blocks here. Yeah. You gotta play with winners. You gotta play with dribblers. Like if you ain't got the creativity midfield, you have to play with dribblers. Like players who can go one v one. So we saw it yesterday. Um, Callum, I think Callum had two one v ones where he beat where he beat his man and putting a ball in. Do you know what I mean? So when you commit men, you create chances because space opens up and you can you can either pick a pass, have a shot, or whatever. So I think um, against low blocks, yeah, we've got to play. Um, obviously, we know. The situation with Hudson is not, it's just probably not going to happen. But I think you've got to play, you've got to play Hudson like wide, or if Pulisic is fit, obviously Tuchel likes Pulisic. I, I love how you said wide. I, I love how you yeah, said yeah. wide. <laughs> no, so I'm, oh, when I mean mm. wide, when I say wide, yeah, I mean um in the in the attack. So like oh, okay, as, as, enough, as a left attacker, enough. because obviously he'll drift out. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, um, I think that's where he plays best. To be fair, yeah, yeah that's and that's where he plays best. Yeah, or if you're, obviously Tuchel doesn't really favor him, then Pulisic. Because as much as I'm not really a massive fan of Pulisic, at least he's someone that can try and dribble, try and beat a man, commit someone. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think um, in midfield, I think Ruben is a good is a good solution as well. Just in terms of what I was talking about, in terms of his ball carrying, again committing men, and he's also in terms of te- like technically the way he, he's his ball um, retention is very very good. And the way our midfielders have been just treating the ball, losing the ball anyhow, giving the, giving it away, just passing it to the opposition, mm. losing it under pressure. Well, not necessarily losing it under pressure, but just passing it to the opposition. Yeah, because even, even, even as you yeah. said that, man, like, in terms of, like, when you, when you think under pressure, you know, in the middle of the park, holding the ball, you think of coverage, and against City, he was yeah. poor at it. You know, yesterday against Juve, you know, Bentico had the better of him. So like I, I do think I do think Ruben would, could be a welcome change because for me personally, man, I, I I was saying last week, you know, even though a lot of people listening know I, I haven't been the biggest supporter of him, you know, during during this whole that like, stuff, but I wanted to start against Juve. You know, I, I thought he deserved the start, and I thought against the deeper block, as you said, Shemi, it, it helps unlock it because you, when you have dribblers, have you said have you said so well, it commits men, and I do think he, he does deserve to start. And I, yeah. I do hope he does start against Southampton because I, I, yeah, you know, I I, th- I think he will. I think he will. And and just one more thing to say on this whole thing, I think. I think part, I think a part of the issue as well, we can kind of do with the tactical deep, deep dive as much as we want, kind of. I think part of it as well is just it's just normal loss in form. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like 
these players have been playing at a very high level since since Tuchel took over in January. Um, so it's been like what nine months now, pretty much. Um, and I feel like a drop in form in some certain players is, is bound to happen, especially when you're not really rotated out like that because um, you know the, you know comfortability comes in. You know, um, obviously Sal's coming and he's not really made his mark. So like you know like these some of these players are a bit comfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like when you when you that when that happens, obviously you can get complacent and form can naturally just go. So um, it's the right time to kind of just get some new new players in there. Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I like the way we finished. Um, I like the personnel of the way we finished against Juve when we had Chalobah in midfield, Ruben there, um, Cho there. It, it, it looked quite nice. So, yeah, I think it's time to just get to freshen up the starting eleven, just keep mm. players up their toes. Defo, defo, defo. On topic of, you know, fresh up the starting eleven, um, Timson, I want to pose the question to you. Do you think Tuchel is getting the most out of our attackers? You know, we've seen him get the most out of the defenders. You know, we've seen him get the most out of midfielders. But is Tuchel doing a good job of getting the most out of our attackers? Simpson. I think it depends on the attacker. So um, Mount has to be in the squad because of what I mentioned, that role of dropping into making midfield three when the game requires. So he needs to be there. Hakim Ziyech... Um, Basically, Tuchel's got him starting out where he likes to drive into. So as in a 4-3-3, he starts out um, wider than that, um, sometimes even touchline wide, and he drives into that space. But you've got him starting into that space, so where's the space to drive into? And um, he's got more of a view of where he's driving into and a vision of the pitch line um, where he can hit that man in the back post with his signature cross but with his signature cross but he's forcing that now in the in 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 deeper areas in more forward areas areas and it's not coming off and it's um actually frustrating and I feel for him in that sense but um I still think he can perform better even um somewhat compromised in that position Hudson Adoy obviously not a guy's a left winger and you're using him at right wing back nothing more needs to be added Christian Pulisic, um, it's been so long since I saw him play that I'm, I'm struggling to remember. Kai Havertz, where does Kai even play? Um, I feel like he's a he's in a situation somewhat similar to Delhi in the sense that running in behind the striker as a sort of shadow striker or if not an outright centre forward has worked well for him. And now there's not that position in the team. He's kind of really still good at finding space, but um, he hasn't nailed that, nailed down a position. Uh, I think you'd still get like the fan base kind of with mixed reactions in regards to where best uh, he can play. So Timo, no. Uh, he tried the 3-5-2 against City, which for me felt somewhat abrupt since it wasn't tr- practiced. You can try it in a week all week before um, a big game, a week's um, not enough to kind of develop chemistry with in a strike partnership. So I'd probably say no. Uh, so for the most part, I'd say no, he hasn't uh, just yet because I don't think the attackers that he has are suited to this um, 2-10 slash 3-5-2 system that he likes to um, switch in between. We know who the beneficiaries are of the um, this system. It's the defenders. 
it's so Christensen doesn't have to mark mark uh, um, a Mikel Antonio one on one anymore. Um, it's to compensate and play uh, Rudiger in areas where he's comfortable playing at um, with his experience of fullback and um, his ability to drive with the ball. It's surrounding Thiago Silva with legs, even though I think he could still look competent in a back four. Um, and it's also obviously to not have Marcus Alonso looking like a Bolton player um, again. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, it doesn't benefit the strikers. It doesn't benefit our attackers, that system. So I'd say no, he hasn't. Fair enough, fair enough. So Shemi, you, you've heard Timson, you know, you've heard Timson go for one day, you know. Timson dropped so a young Aoife there. So he, he's mentioned, you know, obviously the system covering over, you know, players like Christensen, you know, players like Alonso. You know, how, how do you feel about it? Would, would you agree with him? And, and how would you feel like going on leading to um, the, the question about how Tuchel is getting the most of our attackers? Do, do you think he is or do you think he's not? Yeah, to be honest, I, I think Timson hit, hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to, like, repeat too much of what he said. But, yeah, um, it does. It's definitely been benefiting the, the type of defenders we have. Um, and in terms of the attack, I think look, what Tuchel done is Tuchel came in, he analysed the squad, and he said, like, this is what's going to get us through. Do you know what I mean? And um, I think a lot of Chelsea fans thought, including myself, thought that, OK, given a full preseason, he might try something different. But understandably, because it works so well, and it got us, you know, the European Championship. Um, in, and the manner in which it got us the European Championship, you know, we didn't concede, we conceded two goals, I think, something like that, in the whole um, knockouts. Like, you know, it, it kind of, it's kind of understandable as to why he stuck with it. But um, someone as experienced as he is, he, I think he should kind of know that, yeah, this, it's definitely not getting the best out of our attackers at this point in time. It hasn't been... I think before, it was all right because um, we only had Werner who was struggling, Havertz, who was, um, you know, he had a difficult first year, so you could say was struggling too, even though he picked up towards the end of the year. Um, Ziyech, who was struggling. All of them were struggling. So it kind of made sense to kind of focus on the defence. So it made sense. If I'm not going to score, it would be solid. That's cool. But now that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of not enough now. Do you know what I mean? Because it's got you through that short burst. So now, longer term, is it going to be enough? I don't think so. You need to get your attackers like fiery. You need to find out how to do it. And someone of him who's who I think his Dortmund team were like really exciting. The one that Christian Pulisic, the one that Christian Pulisic played in, like he's not someone that's known as to be like this defensive coach. I don't think. Maybe I could be wrong, but um, from what I know of him, he's not that way inclined. Like he can he can have a fluid attacking team, so he knows how to do it. So he needs to do it. It's just, it's just that simple, really. A man of his experience mm. and his intelligence, he should be able to find a solution. Yeah, I, def- I definitely do agree. I definitely, definitely do agree with what you just said there. I think there are there are some internal solutions for whilst the season goes on. And I think there are definitely some that I'm hoping that he plays on going to Southampton game. So before um, I move on from that um, and we go into the City game a bit more, do, do you guys think these last two games, how, in fact, before I even ask you, so before these two games, where did you guys sit in terms of our um, title hope? Were, were you... Were you guys thinking we were title challengers or did you guys think we'd, we'd win the title? How were you feeling? Um, Tim's last start of you. Yeah, I was definitely um, of the opinion that we just needed someone who's going to consistently score goals because that was the issue. And the way the season started, Lukaku was coming clutch, particularly the Zenit game where it was more of the same um, of last season in terms of not creating much. Um 
kind of stump for ideas against a stubborn defence and then the big £97 million striker comes and bails us out. So I thought that can continue, but even then that was unrealistic. So yeah, I did think we were title challengers, but kind of prematurely, I'd say. Fair enough, and Shemi. Great. Mm, interesting, interesting. So yes, um, let's go into the City game. You know, I don't think I've heard you guys' opinion on the game since, since then. So, Shemi, I'm going to ask you to give me like a quick breakdown of what you felt, what you what you felt, sorry, went wrong, and were there any positives to take out from that game? No, I don't know positives to take from the game. Can't lie. But um, in terms of the game itself, it was crap. <laughs> uh, I think two cool. Um, so because Tuchel beat him three times I feel like it's one of them ones where it's like do I stick with what worked or do I um, change it up in case it's predictable and then I feel like he might have got caught in between the two maybe and um, yeah obviously when, when he played the 3-5-2 um, the, so the three workhorse midfielders and then Werner Lukaku up front I wasn't too mad when I saw the lineup because I thought okay look He's gone with a bit more um, bite in midfield um, to kind of, um, obviously, when you're playing City, it makes sense. Like, you need legs, you need to get about, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I thought it would be, even though we played that 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 um, that system and that lineup, I thought we'd still press with energy. I thought we'd still be energetic. We'd still, you know, um, all those good things that we saw too in the early days of Tuchel, which made us win the ball, you know, quickly and then create from there. But... We for the first time, I've, I think this, this is the first time I've, since watching us on the two call. We literally just sat back for ninety minutes, and it was really strange. We just allowed City to dominate. Um, City's press was absolutely insane, like absolutely insane. Um, Grealish and Gabby Jesus completely took the wing backs out of the game because they were pushed back for ninety minutes, pretty much. Um, Grealish was absolutely fantastic, I think, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I think City just Pep Pep done his homework. He really, really done his homework. Um, they, City won the ball early, um, high up the pitch. Um, obviously, again, um, going on from the Villa game up until now, our, our um, execution of passes, simple passes, was just poor, giving the ball away. Um, so they will win it back easily, um, unable to play under their pressure. So yeah, it was it was quite easy for City to be honest. Um, it wasn't very impressive. And I think one thing you'd hope is that when you're set up like that, that you'd be good in transition, you know, Werner, whatever. And to be fair, Werner was, was actually bright. Um, one of the brighter players on the day. Um, but in transition, no, we just we just weren't good at all. <laughs> like, we weren't good in transition at all. Um, there was no energy to get up. Um, things just weren't, just, just wasn't connecting up top. Um, I think Werner and Lukaku connected once um, for a Lukaku chance that he um, when he miskicked it, um, but yeah, other than that, it was just there was just nothing that was fluid. It just wasn't it was it just wasn't our day, um, and we got beat um, deservedly. So yeah, I think that's that's yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on the game. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a well placed I think that's a well well put um, analysis and Timson. Um, what did you think of the game and what did you think of Tuchel's tactics? Did they leave you anything to worry with or was it um, quite similar to your, your initial worries that you that you relayed on earlier in the, in the podcast? No. Um, I'll be honest and say with this situation, with the, those tactics, you have to employ critical thinking um, and just ask yourself kind of what was the objective? Was it clear? 
yes, it was to exploit the space in behind City's high line and the pace of Timo Werner and the hold-up ability of Romelu Lukaku. If things went to plan, Lukaku could have potentially held the ball um, long enough to when allowing us to go along and beat City's high press, which was obviously one of the best I've ever seen. Um, and obviously slot in Timo Werner or Timo Werner to stretch them or give them something to think about and even have them playing deeper somewhat. So yeah, the game plan, uh, there was a logic to it, but it just wasn't executed. I wouldn't say it wasn't executed well. It was just um, Pep's game plan was just better. It was just executed by his team better. They they worked really hard. They made it very difficult for Chelsea. And um, any quality going into Lukaku was very, very poor because of the intensity of City's press right towards the end of the game. Um, so that's what I would say. Pep's game plan was just better on the day. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. And I feel like we, we covered already the, the UV game briefly, but... Um... Again, guys, again, I had a couple of questions because, um, you know, I was watching it. I was actually watching it back um, earlier on during work because I had a bit of downtime. And one of the things that really, really confused me was um, Tuchel's choice to bring on Callum, but to change the system. You know, like, when he very could have obviously, you know, played, you know, the 3-4-3, three, the three, three, you know, have Callum go up against Danilo, you know, the, the less athletic fullback. There was this, like, insistence to, like, change it, you know, have him as, as the wingback on his weaker side. And I felt like that would have been a good opportunity to um, play him when he struggles. And then, again, I don't know if you recognise, but last 10 minutes, it looked as if Ruben was the one out wide and Callum was more central. So I didn't really get get like what Tuchel was thinking tactically. So what did you guys think of um, Tuchel's um, substitutions late on? And did it leave you anything to worry about? Shem, I'm going to start with you. Um, first, of, I, first of all, I'm kind of with what Dan said in the group chat. I don't think the two were linked in terms of Changing to a three five two to not play Hudson there, I don't think he's that evil. Well, it's debatable to be honest, but I don't think the two were linked. I think with the Hudson thing at wing back here, for me, I I didn't even as much as I don't like Hudson playing wing back. I don't I hate it to be honest. I, I I'm so over it. But yesterday, I was kind. I was actually for it. Um, in the last twenty minutes, because ASP was giving us nothing, like absolutely nothing. And you know what I said earlier about when you're playing a low block, you need to pen teams back. You need your your wing backs to be high and you know going at going at defenders making runs you know what I'm saying so I was ha- quite happy to see Cho play there for the last 20 minutes and to um to Cho's credit when he came on he beat his man twice he got two really good crosses into the box I think one one of Landon Lukaku's heads um and instantly we looked better um in terms of Ruben I, from what I remember Ruben spent most of the time as right centre midfield I don't really remember I mean you watched the game back so you're probably more reliable than I am but I don't remember him being on the left side of a, of, a, of attack um I think the one substitution that did confuse me was Ross Barkley um I can't who did he come on for if any of you can remind me he came off as ZH was it ZH right yeah um I know um Jorginho it was Jorginho and ZH that, and Alonso that came off um eventually in the game anyway yeah, yeah. Although Barkley didn't didn't actually play that bad, to be fair, he didn't he didn't he didn't particularly do anything, but he didn't play that bad. Um, I was just, I was just, I was just a bit baffled by that substitution. I feel like um, Werner for Havertz would have made a bit more sense, um, just because number one Havertz was having an absolute shocker, and number two, um, yeah, just just a bit more energy up front, someone to kind of you know, bit a bit of pace. Do you know what I mean? Um, I feel like that that would have made a for me, that would have made a little bit more sense than um, mm. Ross Barkley because he really brought on Ruben. So you might as well get on 
like, I don't, I didn't really see the the point of getting another midfielder personally. Um, yeah. I think it just wouldn't have made more sense to just put another striker. Yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. agreed, agreed. And um, yeah, so I'm going forward on um, obviously you guys said we there aren't really positives, but I think I think that there are there is a potential positive of that. You know, I think this may you know shake the team again into into um gear and hopefully you know looking into this um run of games just before, well the game before we go into our run of games um before the international break hopefully it does you know push the team onto that like, bigger and better things and um talking about oh, sorry, games, sorry, so sorry, okay, sorry. Yeah, go, go for it sorry, go I've got to it. add I've got to add I liked um Chalabwa coming on in midfield mm. um I liked the fact that Tuchel recognized that Jorginho uncovered it just it just it was just not working and the midfield was just terrible so I think he made that the sub the subs came on like around 60th minute it was it was fairly early yeah. Um, maybe you could say it was because of the goal. I don't know, but I just I like the fact that he recognised that Jorginho because a lot like a lot of managers don't really like a lot of managers. It's it's rare that Jorginho gets taken off. You know what I mean? So, um, and to put Chalobah in such a young player in that like single pivot, he was literally playing single pivot. I thought it was um yeah that was good stuff. But yeah, yeah that, that, no 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 of course of course I mean that as I said that we were looking for positives and I guess that is a positive. I think as well Ruben you know looking like he's sharp again. That's another positive. Hopefully he's able to push on and hopefully during the international break he's able to work closely with Tuchel. But yeah, I'm going into a run of games um, and a lot of people have been talking about it as like this um, run to, you know, really, really cement our title challenge. Title challenge. But guys, do, do you think we are facing the risk of underestimating our position? Because, um, you know, we look at um, Southampton, for instance, you know, they haven't exactly had, yeah, they haven't had the, exactly had the best of them um, starts of the season, you know, but they've also, you know, put up a good performance against West Ham, you know, getting a well-earned draw. You know, against City as well, getting a well-earned draw, and you know, we, after that, you know, we then play um, Brentford. You know, and we've seen them um, how M. Bueno and um, Ivan Tony have done um, the, the two-man job up top against you know teams like Arsenal and, and um, Liverpool. So, um, do you guys feel like we're, we're facing this some um, risk of um, underestimating our opposition, or do you think it's just be like an easy run of the mill, just like three points, just get it done and go and go on strong into the season? Because you know, we look at our fixtures. You know, we got Southampton at home. Brentford away after international break, Malmo at home in the Champions League, Norwich home in the Premier League, Southampton again at home in the Carabao Cup, Newcastle away in the league, Malmo away in the Champions League, Burnley at home, and then Leicester away, which will probably be our first um, hard game. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think we're underestimating opposition or do you think I'm maybe looking a bit too much into it? Chelsea fans, yeah, um, most definitely. Uh, but the important factor is Tuchel won. He will get the team focused. He will do his research and he will not neglect a single fixture, um, even if Chelsea fans just see it as a foregone conclusion. On paper, we should win those games despite this form, but um, on paper doesn't um, take into account like the form that we're in and um, potentially the fact that our midfield double pivot and our whole system may have been kind of sussed out ever since the Villa game. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, Chelsea fans overconfident, um, underestimating the fixtures, yes. Uh, will Chelsea, as the players and the management, I can't see it happening. Also, Fair I, enough. Think, I think it depends on how you approach, you approach the game, really. I think if, he's, if he makes changes then clearly he's not um, us underestimating the opposition because he would he's that's him recognising that, yeah, some of these players have been in bad form recently. But if he just keeps it the same, 
then that that's 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 worrying. And I don't. Sorry, guys. Can I just inter- sorry? Can I just interject yeah. because um, an article's come out saying Antonio Conte. Uh, Antonio Conte said that Chelsea don't know how to use Thomas Tuchel specifically isn't playing to Lukaku's strengths. I'll quote you what he really? said. Um, a coach is good if he can improve players. I think we did great work with Romelu over two years. Conte told Sky Italia. He's a specific. He's a very specific striker. Bringing Lukaku into the box, he is dangerous. However, when he starts from midfield, he is incredibly quick. It is very difficult to find a player who is both a target man and who can also run from midfield. There are also characteristics I can see in Erling Haaland. I had been tracking Lukaku for a very long time and wanted him when I was at Chelsea, even when he was at West Brom. Conte goes on. It's a tactical situation too. A centre-forward who goes looking for the opposition defender, backs into him and lays it off for whoever is supporting him. That's a tactical approach used in basketball as well. The good thing about Romelu is that he can hurt you anywhere. If you can keep him far away from the penalty area, he can kill you with his pace. If you have him in the box, he has the physicality to be a target man. Conte also stated, I think he can still do better above all with his technique. He is already at a very high level, but a player must keep improving until the day retires. During the game, there are moments when Lukaku needs to be turned on, but the other... Other than that, he is one of the toughest forwards to play against because he can do damage in any area of the pitch. If you have a centre forward like that, you need to use him. I don't think Chelsea have quite figured out how to use him yet. Last season, they didn't have a proper centre forward, so they rotated positions, whereas Romelu is a real reference point in attack. If they can figure out how to use Lukaku, then Chelsea can become the team to beat in the Champions League this season. Interesting. I, I think I do think he's right. I do think he's right. I don't think we've actually gone anywhere near as much as we can do from Lukaku. You know, I think it, what one thing we've done well is we've been able to use him as a, as a like a, a focal point in attack. You know, being able to use him to pin attackers, pin defenders. Sorry, but uh, even that, I don't think we've done enough. You know, there were, there were moments where I um, was able to evade him, delit, and um, pin Bonucci, and we just didn't get the ball into him because I think one thing that you, one thing I, um, I don't think people like recognize that Juve did was. They had him um, as um, the front foot defender, having um, Bonucci was um, behind sweeping up. So it made it quite easy job in the fact that once once you don't play the ball into him, you've play, you played it around, you know, and they've been able to set up. You could just put the pass into, into Lukaku. Delit's able to like just quickly just knock it away. And it was something did a lot. I think when they brought on Chiellini as well, from then on, you knew it was going to be curtains because that guy is just a master of the dark arts. We saw it in the summer. And yeah, as to as um Conte said, you know, at the halfway line, he he is he you know, as they call him Barca, he's a transitional beast, man. Like on the transition, you, you don't want to see you don't want to see Lukaku in the fast break, you know. Mm. Not many not many people are gonna be able to uh, um actually deal with him. And I do think we were we did it once, you know, when Kova played that early pass to him against Aston Villa. You know, I think we did it maybe once in a halfway, you know, when Barkley played that pass into Lukaku. And I think and I do think you should have got that on target, you know, where you have a top striker, you expect him to get that on target, but as content, I don't think we've gotten anywhere near enough from, but you know, it is early days. It is early yeah, days. Like, so, one thing I'll say is yeah. as 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 much as he does make good points, and obviously, yeah, he, he's a top manager and he got the most out of him. Um, and yeah, some what he said is valid. Um, at the same time, I do feel like two things. Number one, I, I honestly feel like Lukaku is it's kind of the least of our problems right now. I feel like he's not like he himself has not been bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't feel, it, that's just my opinion. I don't feel like he's been bad and I don't feel like um 
it's, I, I don't feel like um, his performances have been like that bad. Does that make sense? Um, and obviously, as we discuss, a lot of the team problems as opposed to just him himself. Um, and the second thing is, I feel like it's it's kind of easy to point the finger um, at at someone like Lukaku when um when you know when the going gets tough, you know you lose a couple of games, your striker doesn't score. It's kind of easy to kind of you know say those things and point the finger at him. Um, but my question is like I don't know if if Lukaku had scored yesterday or had scored the last two games, but we still lost, would would that arc have come out? Would people be questioning Lukaku? Do you know what I mean? I think it's maybe just because he just hasn't scored. Um, but on the eye test, for me, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's been that bad. I generally think the teams just, just avoid them of service. But yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. But I, I think, I think, I think two things at the same time can be right. You know, I, do, I do agree in the fact that he hasn't, he hasn't been least of our problems. But I do also agree with Conzi in the fact that are we doing the most to get the best out of him? You know, in terms of playing the ball early. But you know, as I said earlier, it is early doors. So we, we maybe we will see that being changed. But maybe it's also something for us to like, you know, have as a checkpoint. That's a look um, as we go ahead into the season. But yeah, um, I want to do a quick loan watch with you guys, you know, with, with um, in my opinion, the three key players out on loan. So, you know, we have um, Conor Gallagher at Crystal Palace playing the more advanced role. We have Billy Gilmore in the sixth for Norwich. And then we have Levi Colwell taking the championship by storm with Huddersfield. So I'm going to start with you, Shemi, on, um, on Gilmore. Um, do you think that loan was a good decision on, on the initial eye test? So I'm not going to ask you about his point, but do you, do you, what were your initial thoughts going on into that alone? I thought, I thought it would be good, obviously, because Gil, Gilmore's talented and I want him to play. Um, I don't agree that him being the fourth midfielder to quote-unquote learn or whatever would was is necessarily the best for him because, yeah, he's just not playing. Like, he needs to play. He's a, he's a talented boy. So I was happy in that sense that... Um, that, yeah, I knew he was going to get a fake. Barring injury, he was going to get at least 30 games in under his belt. What I didn't kind of take into consideration is how terrible Norwich are. <laughs> I thought, I didn't think they would be as bad as they were <laughs> the last time they were in the bread, but clearly they need to sack that brother because he, he just can't, <laughs> Farke can't, he can't take him, he can't take him up a level, clearly. So um, I think at, at the same time, it's, it's a bit like Ruben, like, um, although you're playing whatever consistently last season with Fulham, whatever, but you're in a relegation dogfight, you're losing every week. How much are you really kind of obviously you're learning? I guess you're learning how to get through tough periods and you're you're building mental character. But how much um how much how much are you growing on the pitch in terms of like, you know, when you're playing like more a team that's winning, a progressive team, a team that's flowing, you know, you're gonna develop a game a lot better. Whereas, you know, Norwich are going to be on the back foot. I remember I watched them against City um, when they got waxed 5-0 and yeah, it's just literally they'll just pen back in the like literally 11 men behind the ball and someone like Gilmore whose whole bag is being on the ball if you're if you're spending 90% of your games doing that then it's not really going to be beneficial for you, is it? So we have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. Hopefully Norwich can improve. I don't think they will but yeah, it really depends on the setup um, to answer your question because someone like Gilmore his game is on the ball, like I said, very, very good on the ball, picking passes, etc. So um, how Norwich approach games, whether they want to actually get their a foothold and play a little bit, or whether they just want to be defensive, will kind of determine how that loan goes. Mm, agree, because I've, I've tried to watch a couple of the Norwich games and I've been um, 
I wouldn't say disappointed in the way they've um, used Gilmore because obviously he's not their player, so I'm not really expecting them to adapt their game around him. But I do feel like the, the way they've played, you know, they've been quite a transitional side. They haven't really been like trying to build up play through him. And that, that's, that is how he plays best. But there is also the argument to say that, you know, playing in diversity, you know, playing in, 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 in games to um, defend, that will add, add elements to his game. So, Timson, what do you think about that? What do you think about um, Gilmore's time at Norwich? Do you think it was the right loan or do you think we should have been looking at a, a more at a, a more um, a better like possession-based team? Definitely, I think it was the right loan. Um, in terms of possession-based, uh, what do we need to know that we haven't seen or know about Get Billy when he's been on the ball at Chelsea? We already know he can pass. We already know he can. Um, he's comfortable on the ball. We all, we already know his decision making is good. Um, this is all stuff that we know about Billy when he's in uh, Chelsea. When he when we're strong in possession defensively um, his work off the ball and his development off the ball will probably uh, be a key factor in um, what, what he does next season in regards to coming back to Chelsea to kind of stake a first team claim so the defensive work as well as being in a team that they're going to be doing a lot of work off the ball but when they do get the ball they try and play um, Daniel Farker he's moved Billy from the middle of the midfield to the right-hand side um, to see if he can influence the game more. I just find Daniel Farker to be out of ideas. And my biggest criticism of Daniel Farker is that two years ago, Norwich were relegated because they couldn't score enough goals. Um, he's gone down. He's kind of rebuilt the squad, albeit losing some players along the way, Buendia notably. And he's gone back up and he's still relying on that same striker who didn't get him the goals that the club needed to get up to stay up two seasons ago. So that's my biggest criticism of Daniel Farker and the fact that he's kind of shuffling the pack um, in terms of Gilmore's role is another kind of concern that he's running out of ideas um, and he's kind of hoping for something to work out. No, I do think that's fair enough. And yeah, I, I do think that there, there are elements of the game that he will learn to add them. At Norwich and obviously you know having that game time will be key and um going on to another player before I even go on to him you know there were reports coming out that um Tuchel will be looking to play them both I, I don't know how they they know that but maybe that's like a potential but the, on, on the second player is a is a one Connor Gallagher you know he's had an amazing amazing time at Palace you know I, I watched his game against some Spurs spirits and he, I thought it was amazing you know we saw a lot of conversion in the penalty area you know he put up a really good performance against Liverpool as well you know, he was really good in the ball. You know, I, I saw, I even heard Klopp saying his praises. You know, against West Ham, he got man the match. He got two goals. Again, extreme composure in the box. And against Brentford, like, the, the, the kid is balling. You know, he's really, really performing well. And it is good to see him playing the more advanced role where he has um, a lot less defensive and responsibility. Because although he can do that job there, I do feel like, you know, in and around the penalty area, you know, like, that eight pushing on forward position, I think that is the best place for him to play. And um, Shams, I'm going to ask you, um, on, on Gallagher, have you been impressed by, by his form and do you think there's a space for him potentially going into next season? Yeah, I've been impressed by him. He looks he looks good. I wasn't impressed by him last season. I honestly couldn't see what the hype was. Um, but obviously, I think when you give context, West Brom, you know, just crap team. Um, but yeah, this season he's been good, I can't lie. I still don't think he's like, I'm still not on the bandwagon, to be honest, like um, some of you lot. But um, 
yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. I like him. Um, he seems very, um, he's got a good technique. Um, and in the box, like you said, he's he, he's he's got a composed head. He's got a calm head. Um, he's very energetic too. But obviously, he's not just energy. He's also got the tech as well. Um, to to come with that. So yeah, I think he's I think he's a good player. In terms of um, would there be a space for him next season? Um, I, I struggle to see it personally. I think um, obviously it depends on how you know. The, the season plays out in terms of our midfielders and how they do but um, I can't see him being a go-to guy in the midfield to be honest I think um, he might just he might just go on a permanent I think personally and um, yeah but I have, to, I have to watch a bit more of him to kind of see if he wants to in the Chelsea midfield and how it would warrant out in a top team but um, as, as of right now I'm probably going to say I don't really see him being um, a significant part of the team next season Fair enough, fair enough. And Tim, so then, would you agree with him, Shemi, there, or do you, do you, do you have a, a different opinion? And how have you felt about um, Gil, um, Gallagher, sorry, some performance so far at um, Crystal Palace? Loving it. This was obviously a lone destination that could have happened last season had Crystal Palace not prioritised them a forward um, and going and opting for Batshuayi. Uh, I think it's come at the right time because they're now playing a more progressive system in a 4-3-3 it's allowed Conor Gallagher to have the freedom to um, have an impact on both ends of the pitch um, sorry of the ball so offensively and defensively obviously the goals uh, on the ball offensively is what we're kind of raving about Vieira said it's today it's still somewhat too soon for him to get an England call up but the fact that um, a lot of people even non-Chelsea fans are kind of thinking it's a matter of when not if is definitely a positive sign and um, clear indication that he's grown in terms of his prospects at Chelsea coming back next season if we're still playing um, a two-man midfield or three at the back, I don't see it for him or um, Billy Gilmore, to be honest. Uh, you see in that double pivot, Tuchel likes his um, very neat and tidy um, midfielders, just kind of keep it very neat and tidy in there. So someone who's very dynamic and um, like hustles and bustles like Conor Gallagher, he'd be limited in that role. So you'd kind of lose what's good about Conor Gallagher if you asked him to temper down his game and just keep it nice and simple. Ruben is very similar in terms of just give us some nice touches and keep it nice and neat. But um, from a deeper role, Ruben can still influence the game with his ability to drive forward. And that double pivot is somewhere Ruben's kind of played um, at, at the academy level with someone like Charlie Colkett. Um, so we've seen that and it's not it's not kind of a foreign thing. With Connor, I feel like you lose some of it if you put him in a two and um, the kind of midfielder that he is wouldn't be suited for what Tuchel wants in that two. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but um, would you, wouldn't you, if you was to compare it to a, a, a player and a midfielder on our team, you'd probably say you probably can't take it, right? In terms of the hustle and bustle, the energetic getting about the pitch right so if Kante looks fine just playing devil's advocate could you make a case for Conor Gallagher looking fine in the pivot or not no because um I don't think Conor Gallagher has the same level of uh the same in terms of ability to read the game and um Kante is a seek and destroy midfielder um, who adds energy into the the attack whilst kind of um, 
stomping out and stomping out attacks as where they kind of crop up somewhat a roman firefighter conor gallagher is closer to mason mount i would say in terms of the energy he gives to the team and the influence he tries to have on both ends of the pitch he wouldn't be the same in terms of him just breaking up attacks you wouldn't see him like making key interceptions and giving the ball quickly that's just not his game um, he will press, he will work hard, but he won't have, he doesn't have that innate ability to read and snuff out um, opposition attacks and, and, and start counter-attacks the way Kante does. So that's where I see the difference. No, I do think that's fair enough. I, I do think um, even with um, Gallagher playing deep, I think he is prone to diving in a bit. You know, he, he does seem a bit, you know, happy to, to tackle, but... I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, um, I think he has had a good start to the season. I'm hoping he just pushes on for everyone and keeps smashing it. So I'm going on to the last player, um, Levi Colwell, you know, my, my fellow Cobham Knight, you know, Timson. I know, I know me, you've, we've got a couple of stocks in them. Not, not, not too many, but some say we're majority shareholders. So um, how, how have you um, found these starts to the championship? You know, you know, he, he's, been, he's, been, he's, you know, I mean, there's, there's no argument to say that he hasn't been able to um, adapt to it physically. You know, he's, he's taking it by storm. He did, a, he did a good job. He did a good job in the cup. You know, he seems to be playing well as well. So, I mean, how, how do you think he's played so far? And do, do you think, you know, there may be a potential at, at Chelsea? If I had to compare it to um, a debut loan um, of anyone that's kind of played at Chelsea so far, I'd compare it to Tammy's season at uh, Bristol. He's come out of academy football where it's very neat and tidy, very similar to the Bundesliga in that um, teams will come out and play um, instead of just kind of parking the bus because really and truly the livelihood of clubs isn't at stake given relegations or not. So very safe environment. Um, he's gone into the most, the, one of the most physical leagues, the championship, albeit not as physical as it used to be. You can see that from the teams that have been promoted. They're not like the Stoke kind of bruisers or Burnleys anymore. It's teams that try and play football, but um, still a very physical and competitive league. And he's just taken to it like a fish to water. Um, he And what Chelsea did um, that they deserve credit for was finding a team that plays a back three and... Um, like, which was obviously a hand-chosen destination since we've loaned several players there, Casey Palmer, Trevor Chalabar and Co. just to name a few. So um, we chose that team where we had options elsewhere um, and we got that deal done very early so he could spend all of um, pre-season with that squad acclimating and getting used to it. And it seems to have all paid dividends the way he's just taken to the championship so well. And he just looks very, very at home um, more than at home, to be honest, almost ready, almost seemingly almost too good for that league. Um, and I think by the end of the season, he will be, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be too good for that league and we'll be already looking at what's next for him. Um, so I'm really, really happy that um, my stocks are obviously growing and um, he's performing well in regards to his um, future at Chelsea. Uh, we've seen about, we, we, we've seen kind of the value and how much of a commodity left footed centre-backs are, especially ones that have the physical um, prowess that he does um, although he does need to work on his kind of judging of balls because he's been caught under a couple of balls this season so far um, but his ability his comfort on the ball and the fact that he's he relishes physical battles in the championship as well 
um, is really, really, is really, really optimistic. So I think there'll be room. There'll, there, there's always an opportunity for a player like that who's left-footed, who can give the team angles. Because at the minute, our only left-footed centre back is Malang Sar, and yeah, that, the, the, the less said about him, the better. <laughs> that's exactly it. Um, and I mean, I think I, I, I'm one of those people that thinks Rudiger um, will leave. I think he'll chase the money. Um, I was hoping that he would we, he would allow us to defraud someone like Bayern Munich or PSG into taking him, giving him 250k a week, putting him in a back four, and realizing that he's not the guy um, in a back four. Um, but yeah, there will be opportunities. Thiago Silva is aging; he's not going to be around forever. Um, the he he's kind of front front and centre for young players so um, Mbiamba still has a way to go um, and I think there'll be there'll be openings for him um, but obviously if we sign Kunde that's another player to compete with um, and obviously Shalab is still around and he fancies himself as a centre-back but obviously I'm one of them people who prefer him in midfield but um, yeah he's got every opportunity to be honest Fair enough, fair enough so yeah um, before we wrap it up you know Obviously, we've got the um, Southampton game this weekend, you know, 3 p.m. kickoff, so it won't be on TV. But obviously, with, it, with us coming off from two back-to-back losses, it's obviously going to be a, a massive game. You know, we, we, we've um, clearly, obviously, um, we've got um, Pulisic out injured. We've got Mount seemingly doubtful. Kante with COVID and, um, and then Reese James out injured. Um, guys, how confident are we feeling? Because, you know, um, Timpson, again, you know, my fellow um, Cobham Knight, we, we, we've got the return of um, T- um, Tina Livermento. You know, he won't be um, locked by the um, loan clause that um, Abroha has. But how are we feeling about this game against Southampton? Um, because obviously ben. we have... Pardon? Yeah, he, 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 um, Livermento. Yeah, he'll definitely be playing because he, he's, he's a permanent. Oh, um, yeah. He, yeah, so he'll definitely be playing. And after he's a um, strong start to the season, it'll be interesting because we have actually beat um, Southampton in, in, two, in two years' time. So they do seem to be developing this kind of bogey team against us. So um, how are we feeling, you know, about the potential um, Tina Livermento against Marcus Alonso battle? Um, Guys, um, what, what do you what do you guys think about? I don't that think Alonso is going to play. To be honest, I think the fact that he got hooked at halftime just was just, just, just telling. But um, mm, hopefully, yeah, hopefully anyway. But um, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to be positive. I think we will win. I think we will win. I think we'll bounce back. Um, I think we'll see changes. Um, but yeah, I think we will win. Um, and I think the international break is coming at a good time because, yeah, if we could just win this game and then have like a little break, regroup and stuff like that, it would be good. Um, if you're asking, for, did you ask for a lineup or did you just say how it goes? Or... No, just how it goes. And I was going yeah. to go to the lineup, but just okay. in terms of like how you think, how you're feeling about the game. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too, too worried. I think if we lose this game, then, then I think, then I'll be like, I think, worried. I think we'll be in crisis mode. But I think for now, I'm still pretty calm. Um, I think we'll get the job done. Probably won't be it won't be easy. Um, because obviously naturally when you're in this form, you know, things happen. But I think um given the right lineup is chosen, I think we'll win the game. Mm, fair enough. I'm, I'm, if it was up to you, what sort of lineup are you expected to see? Um, so I would this is a different I'm 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 torn between two. I think I'm okay, I'll go with this one. I would personally play um hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Okay, I would play. I would prefer to see um a three for three, probably. Um. Actually, no, no, forget that. I'll probably say a three five two, 
um, with um, obviously Mendy in goal, um, Thiago, Rudiger, and it's, yeah, Christensen. Because James is not back, is he? He's still injured. No, I, I think he'd be. I think he's going to be still injured for this game. Still but we'll see, game. I guess. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, them, um, them for the back, um, SP wing back, um, Chilwell left wing back. Um, yeah, if he's going to play three midfield, I would like the three to be Ruben, um, Chaloba and Kovacic. Then I'd play Lukaku and Werner up front. Um, me personally, like I said, me personally, I would be tempted to play um, uh, two midfield, so Ruben and, um, yeah, Ruben and Kovar, uh, with Chilwell left wing back, um, SP right wing back, and then Hudson Bay um, left side attack, Werner right side attack, and Lukaku up front. So, yeah, I'm torn between those two. Obviously, we know what, what's more likely, but if I was to kind of have my way, I'd probably go for the latter. Fair enough, fair enough. And um, what, 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 what's your prediction for the game? Um, my prediction for the game. I haven't watched that sometimes. It's a bit tough. Probably say 2-0. 2-0, fair enough. And Timson, um, how are you feeling about the game? What are your expectations? And what would be your um, your lineup? I don't really have any expectations about the game right now. All I'm expecting is um, changes. And based off that, my, my confidence in the lineup, um, based on the changes in the lineup, my confidence will kind of um, like kind of build up accordingly. Uh, how would I do it? I don't see him scrapping the back three, so we'll go with the um, three four three. Uh, I don't really think James Wood proud aside. Um, Southampton have like um, midfield that can really trouble the two, even if we're lacking. Even if it does become a three v two situation, I'm I'm hoping. Tuchel will kind of put in countermeasures to deal with that. Uh, I think Ruben's definitely earned a start. If I was Kovacic, I'd kind of be looking over my shoulder because not only has he kind of displaced Saul as the fourth midfielder completely, um, even he's probably even he's probably behind Barkley at this point. I would definitely look at. Um, I think Ruben behind might be Barkley. Oh my god! Sorry, that was just so funny. But you see it, obviously. Um, they came on. Um, both of them came on. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I, I can't, I can't true. lie. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought, I genuinely thought I was hearing something wrong. Like I, I didn't want to say anything, but then, did you say Barkley as in R- um, Ross Barkley? Mate, it's crazy. A whole sal, you know? Nah. Look, we need nah. to. We and we spent five million for basically a human paperweight to just keep the bench from moving. Like, what a waste. Um. I, I, I would I would I would I would give serious thought to potentially cutting the losses and seeing if we can get some of that five, some of that five million back, but um, yeah, Ruben um, has definitely earned a start. Um, Marcus Alonso is looking like um, I always saw it as an event inevitability that um, Ben Chilwell would come back into it. So um, I think that happens this at the moment, um, and then the front three is it's like rolling dice to see what comes up with the way he kind of just like picks and chooses the, 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 the two behind Lukaku. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, what would be your prediction based on that lineup? Um, I think Chelsea will rally. 
I think they'll get a narrow win. I don't think we'll, we'll ever be at a position where we get a nice convincing win, especially the way if Southampton show the form that they showed against uh, City, because I think they should have beaten City, in fact. And I know team, Tino Livramento is going to be up for this game. Fair enough, fair enough. And if it was up to me in terms of lineup, um, I'd want to go with a, with a split strike formation. So I'd, I'd probably go with a 3 5 2. But um, I'd keep the um, back three the same. I keep the back three the same in terms of just having um, Thiago, Rudiger, and Christensen just for the sake of um, stability. I'd obviously bring in him chill work. I think it's time to get him in now. Like he, he needs game time. Like, too cool. It, it is enough, right? Like we, we get it, you know, he needs to, you know, buck up his ideas, but let's just start our best players, like please. And um on the other side, I'd go Aspie. And then um in the midfield, I'd probably I'd probably risk it. I'd probably risk it and I'd go over Kovacic and, and um, RLC. The reason I say risk it, I feel like we, we probably lose a bit defensively from Jorginho, but I think we we gained that attacking impotence in the fact that on the ball, those guys are definitely our two best ball carriers. And then um, in the 10, I'd want to see Callum play there. I'd want to see Callum play there. You know, it's a position he's, he's played, you know, for the England under-21s. He's played there for the um, youth team as well. And I feel like if we're looking for creativity, I think we, we can get some out of him. So I'd want to see, you know, be given a bit more trust. Do I see it's going to happen? Well, obviously not, but I, I would like to see him play there. I mean, with um, Lukaku and Kai, Kai up top, you know, in the split right? Because I, I do think... If you're going to play Havertz, you should not be playing in the 10. It's a complete waste of resources. He, he doesn't, he's not a creative player. Not that you can't create, but at the end of the day, he's a fan of action player. You want him in the round of penalty area, causing Havertz. That's why we've seen the best from him. And I don't really get why we've vied away from it. I get having Lukaku there, changes that a bit, but like Tuchel, you're the manager. We trust you tactically. There, there, there is definitely a way to play two up top with, with the two of them. And I'd like to see them two up top with Kyle, Kyle behind him. If that can't work, but maybe, you know, Roman Werner with, with Kyle in behind. And in terms of predictions, I'm going to go with, with a 2-1 win. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. I don't think it's going to be as easy as a lot of people are expecting. I, I do think we'll be able to control the game, but even in that aspect, you know, um, Southampton, they're not the easiest team to... Um, they're not the easiast team to um, to unblock. You know, we saw it against City, you know, they were very, very defensively strong. Against United, they were defensively strong. Even against um, West Ham, who have been scoring goals for fun this season. They've been defensively strong, so I don't think they're the team that are going to be willing to just um open open yes and just you know just let you go through because you know you, you got Salasu who's having a good season as well. So I do think we they were obviously aren't a team to underestimate, but I do think there's no excuse but to be winning. And with that, um, guys, I'm gonna to have to thank you for joining me on. I think that was a really good podcast. So um, Shemi, thanks for having thanks for having you on. Pleasure, pleasure, man. And Timson, straight back at you, man. Thanks for having you on as well, man. Always a pleasure, bro. All right, and peace. He done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. European champions. They've beaten Bayern in their own backyard. They've found the Holy Grail. After adventure, fraught with danger. And Drogba may never play for Chelsea again. He will never be forgotten. He's in one. Just came back from the Twitter and ranting, doing the most. 
Truth say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost. Ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have guap, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it Sports Social Podcast Network.